Greetings, and thank you for joining us for the seventh episode of DC Animation with Spencer and Friends. This is an LMG podcast production. Today, I am joined by a dear friend. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Could you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So my name is Wardell Wilson. I am a recording artist, producer, songwriter, or engineer, but more importantly, a Marvel DC Game of Thrones media fan. Where can the people find you if they want to on the socials? So anywhere at Wardale Wilson. War is in 300, Dale, and Wilson. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, real quick, tell me about your DC consumption. Uh, comic books, movies, video games, TV shows. What what DC do you or have you consumed? So, I kind of I, I kind of pulled a flash and, and ran backwards with it. Uh, as a kid, I was always into Batman animated series stuff like that, and then I jumped into like everyone else did, like the Superman live films, Dark Knight. Um, all the way up to Justice League and the atrocity that was, you know. Yeah. And um, but from somewhere in between, like Dark Knight, you actually referenced that the uh actual cartoon films were somewhat better than the the real films, and uh, I believe that I started with Death of Superman, and then flashpoint and kind of just went from there and was kind of scattered but i was like oh these are good and i was like these are much grittier than i thought they were going to be yeah that is exactly why i have a podcast dedicated to it (laughs) i was like no this this is stuff i watched as a kid yeah this is this is why we're here uh i love that dc animation grew up with me so when i was youth it was very much for the youth uh with batman the animated series all the way up into justice league and with teen titans and all that very mm-hmm. quality content but made for my age at the time and then uh i got older and so did my movies and they were bleeding and cussing and <laughs> violent and i was like oh okay we're and doing this killing joke i think was really when it was like okay no this ain't for kids oh yeah so, that was the moment <laughs> excellent um So, I appreciate you for joining us on this journey through DC Animation. Today's film is Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, released February 23rd, 2010. Uh, uh, The comic book on which this movie was based is JLA Earth 2. I'm going to read a synopsis in my own words, and then uh, we're just going to talk about it. Sounds good. So, we open with an alternate version of Lex Luthor and the Joker stealing the Quantum Trigger. The Jester, who is the alternate version of the Joker, uh, lets Lex get away, uh, and he gets caught and kills himself as well as his captors with a bomb. Uh, Lex escapes, but is very quickly met by the crime syndicate, but he uses a machine to teleport away. The Justice League that we know uh, are in the process of building the Watchtower and getting the teleporter online. The alternate version of Lex appears and goes to the police station and asks to contact the Justice League. Superman quickly confirms that this Lex is from a different universe and tells the Justice League, and he tells the Justice League about his world. 
He is the only surviving member of his team, and the rest were wiped out by the crime syndicate. He wants the Justice League's help to save his world from them, and they ultimately decide to help, but Batman is like, nah, I'm good. So Batman stays behind. Uh, the crime syndicate is tossing alternate Lex's HQ, uh, looking for the quantum trigger when the Justice League appears. Uh, they start fighting and they decide to make a strategic retreat, but then more syndicates show up and the fight goes to the skies. Uh, they are able to use Owlman's jet to escape, and the crime syndicate is having a meeting, and Owlman unveils his doomsday device, which is pretty much capable of destroying anything and everything. So the alternate Lex gives the Justice League a crash course on how the crime syndicate operates, and they devise a plan to execute coordinated raids on syndicate locations. Owlman builds the device, or builds a device to time travel, not time travel, to travel between universes uh, like the one Lex had, and uh, the Justice League hits the syndicate's operations. Uh, Lex calls Ultraman out, and he is able to use Blue Kryptonite to subdue him. President Slade releases Ultraman and explains that being brave is easy when you have superpowers and you can just kind of leave and go back to your own universe. Owlman explains his plan to destroy everything to Superwoman, and she's totally down for it. Ultraman threatens President Slade, telling him that he needs to get his daughter in line because she's speaking out publicly against the Syndicate. On our main Earth, Batman is working on the Watchtower when he gets a security alert. Superwoman and some of her made men are there to find the quantum trigger, and Batman tells them, pretty much, get off my lawn. So, Batman calls in the cavalry, but Superwoman is able to find it, and she gets away. Batman does hitch a ride back to her Earth, though. Uh, Rose is speaking out against the crime syndicate, and an assassination attempt is made, but luckily, Martian Manhunter is there to keep her safe. Batman fights Superwoman, and he is able to subdue her. He calls the Justice League, and Lex tells them about the quantum trigger. Martian Manhunter and Rose are having a mind freak, and the crime syndicate continues working on the bomb. Uh, the Justice League arrives, and they begin to fight. Owlman is able to find Earth Prime, and he teleports himself and the bomb there, and the only way to get to him is for a speedster to open up a portal. So Batman tells Flash he's too slow, so Johnny Quick steps up and gets it done. Batman goes in, and he and Owlman have a discussion about how terrible man is, and they start fighting. Owlman is beating his ass, but in the end, Batman is able to send Owlman and the bomb to a different Earth, and everything is fine. Uh... The speedy vibration quickly ages Johnny Quick pretty much to death. Martian Manhunter brings the military to arrest the Syndicate, and the Justice League return to their own Earth. Credits. Ben. So, uh, what did you think of this movie? I thought it was solid, and it, it didn't go where I expected it to. Uh, I thought it was just going to be, you know, a traditional switch in roles. Justice League becomes villains, villains, Justice League. But no, it the whole little mob stuff was a, a nice little twist to it. Uh, I know when they mentioned the made men and, and in my head, I was like three made men, Tony Soprano, Montana and Coley. I'm like, what? And it ended up kind of being that. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. What were your thoughts on it? I was going to say that was one of the aspects that I did like about it was the fact that they actually applied the word syndicate to it yeah. because 
I feel like generally in the comic book, it's kind of just like these are they just went out of their way to say this is the opposite of the Justice League. Like, yes, like they're the Justice League is good. These people are bad. All the people that are bad are actually good. Um, Like Abraham Lincoln killed John Wilkes Booth instead of John Wilkes Booth killing Abraham Lincoln. Like it's just literally like yeah. opposite stuff. Um, Definitely a bit more thought out. And it to me, the beginning set the tone for that because joker like he just saw a shadow and was just like run and that's when i knew i was like okay this isn't a regular a normal joker wouldn't run or say that and it now i wasn't a huge fan of that joker's voice even though he wasn't really major in the film but uh but you're a big mark hamill guy i am i am and we will talk about we'll talk about that here in a second um but yeah i can agree that's the thing I've noticed that there are sometimes I have a person's voice in my head and when they don't sound like that, it is jarring sometimes. Like it's Precisely. like, I, I don't, uh, and usually I'm able to find my way through it. So sometimes I'm like, you know what, outside of my own bias, I either like or don't like this voice. Um, and I had the biggest struggle with that with Batman in this. Yeah, I was gonna mention that too. Bruce's voice just wasn't, it wasn't deep enough. I, yeah, it wasn't what I wanted. Um, I didn't. I, I couldn't. I couldn't get with it. There are later Bruces that are different than because Kevin Conroy is my Bruce, gotcha. and and so when it's Kevin Conroy, I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I need. And when and it's for not, the for the most part, him and Mark go hand in hand. Exactly. Like it when they need to be together. Like if if. Kevin Conroy, if Batman and the Joker are in it, and one of them is in it, both of them need to be in it. Exactly. But, um, but no, I, I agree with that. Batman's voice was it threw me off. It, I yeah, was like, just like, uh, did Robert Pattinson? Uh, yeah, and <laughs> his was the hardest to get through. And then also, James Woods as Owlman. I don't know. I don't know if he was supposed to sound like flat or like if he was supposed to sound bored almost i think so because it bruce wayne isn't emotional so i think with our man you can't go the emotional route for the villain you have to make it more the analytical yeah but like it it was he was very monotone which Dry. because i'm used to james woods as hades was very different for me oh because hades is you know fast talking and you know doing a lot getting things done and very emotional like very big emotions and so now were you expecting that just because that actor was bruce were you thinking he went that route no not necessarily um because i mean bruce and owlman are never that and owlman was because bruce is very logical and owlman was arguably more so because he was like nothing we do matters like yes, he was yes. uh, like very cynical um even more so than Bruce which I didn't think was possible yeah like if if deadpan was a person <laughs> and i love how bruce uh wanted no parts of it in the beginning like yeah bruce was like no fuck that i we got shit to do here <laughs> like w- we have a home to take care of and because i was kind of like when wonder woman said why are we even talking about this of course we're going i was like no diana we're talking about this. 
And that Sweet. gave me Civil War vibes because it's just like it. Tony was just like, no, you know, and it caps. So it, it kind of gave me that that sense of duality with that where because there was, I think, one other person outside of Bruce that was just like, do we have jurisdiction? That was uh, Hal. So Hal very much being a police officer, like he pretty much said, he said, as far as, you know, patrol goes, I'm just a beat cop. So do I have jurisdiction to go to a completely different earth and do anything? Or would me doing that be a problem or pretty much against protocol? And I mean, that's not a bad question, especially within his line of work, because exactly. he's an intergalactic police officer with a designated sector that he's responsible for. And it's nice and, to know that they still are held to a standard, you know, it because in most superhero films and shows, they're just like, we do what we want and then ask questions later. So it is it was cool how they were mindful of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, OK, so. How did you feel about the art style? Uh, it's. I mean, it was, you know, typically what I expect from a DC film. Like, it, it wasn't anything phenomenal, but it wasn't bad. Uh, the, the fighting was pretty solid, I will say. The fight sequences. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, I would say this is... It wasn't, like... I guess it was kind of a toned down version of what they do in the Justice League. Well, no, this was closer to like a Young Justice animation style. Yes, yes. And that that fits with the time period because Young Justice was like doing things around the same time. So I think that the same people drew everybody in Young Justice and this because they this were pretty when? close. 2010. Yeah, yeah. So it you can definitely tell, and it not saying that the graphics were bad, but you can you can just tell compared you tell to it like, was early, exactly. And that's fine. Uh, I still think that it was pretty good. Um, and one thing that I do like that they did in this, they made the counterparts actually different because yes, in the comic book, it's almost literally just copies of the people, and they made them different enough to where I had to. You know, I was like, is that Cheetah Girl or is it like the who who was the lady that Wonder Woman was fighting that like turned into Scar from Lion King? <laughs> I think that was Vixen. That was a uh, the alternate version of Vixen. Because gotcha. and I'm assuming Vixen because Vixen's power is that she can pretty much take on the qualities of certain animals, but she doesn't actually turn into them like Beast Boy does. Okay. So because she was a black lady who looked relatively ethnic. And then and Vixen. Vixen is the main universe's version. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what this one, because she didn't have any lines. So I don't even know if right. she was in the credits, but, um, and the, the, whenever Wonder Woman broke that bear's back, I was like, oh, oh Wonder Woman is too much. I love Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman does not play around. Especially when they do her right, when they give her justice. Yeah, like when they, when they let her when they let her go, she goes. Let her cook. Yeah, because oh, Wonder Woman is she's one of my favorite characters to watch in things because she does not give a fuck. Like whenever she did it, uh there's a random like I think it's a mystical freestyle where he he says 
if you see me in the forest fight with a bear, help the bear. Help the bear. Because yeah. that bitch don't need it. <laughs> that scene comes to mind anytime <laughs> I hear that. And when I see it, I think of mystical. <laughs> and with, with Wonder Woman, I will say she's probably the most consistently drawn character out of DC. Every Which DC is surprising. Movie, it's, it's identical. And that's surprising because Wonder Woman has had so many different looks and there's been a lot of variation with Wonder Woman because, you know, there was a time when women were not treated great. And so Wonder Woman's had a wide range of looks. And so for her to have been relatively consistent, because I feel like when they started drawing her for these cartoons, like she was the Wonder Woman that we kind of know, like yeah. she's just too fucking much and she's <laughs> ready to throw hands with anybody. Like those hands are rated E for everyone. <laughs> and again, she's a problem. Bruce said she is one of the most skilled hand-to-hand combatants on earth. And that's with or without powers. And that's because she was trained a warrior. Everyone else kind of just, you know, Superman born on this planet that's convenient flash the lightning she's the only one who was groomed for this stuff yeah and that's the thing like she so she's useful with no powers superman useless without his powers like just what, a civilian what, what a newspaper civilian, a mid newspaper reporter yeah like he's just like a kind of big dude but like that's that's it like superman is useless in under a red sun um <laughs> Without the Speed Force, Flash has nothing. Without the Lantern Ring, uh, Hal is just a pilot. But like, And what's crazy is that was Neil deGrasse Tyson's argument. Uh, he said the reason that he kind of likes Marvel better is you strip all their powers away. They are still physicists, scientists, you know, building weapons, all kind of stuff. With DC, you strip all their powers away, and it's just like you said, like... Well, and that's why I like Batman so much, because all of Batman's villains are doctors. Like, other than the Joker and Penguin, I guess, like, because Mr. Freeze is a doctor, Poison Ivy is a doctor, Harley Quinn is a doctor, Hugo Strange is a doctor. Like, Two-Face the, is a lawyer. Yeah, like, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of Bruce's rogues gallery is, like, they're intelligent people. Like, he has a lot of, Scarecrow's a doctor. Like, he fights a bunch of doctors. And then... Again, the Joker's crazy and Bane is too, but they both have doctor intellect yeah. if they want to. So, And it's ironic that Bruce, of course, the only one without powers, you strip his powers away, he's still he's the detective. most. Yeah, he's the most formidable without his powers because since, I mean, he doesn't have powers. So even without money, he's still pretty useful. And that's why whenever people would say like who would win in a fight uh, iron man or bruce it, i was like it depends depends on prep preparation stuff yep are they dropped in a desert or is this like a you know a boxing match where they got 12 months to plan yeah because batman is going to beat his ass if he like all he needs is an emp and like 20 minutes to prep and this showed that evil batman is dangerous very that's the thing an unhinged batman is a fucking problem and not even unhinged like just i don't just said articulate and sadistic yeah like because yeah he wasn't a crazy person he was just like no i think this is bullshit and i'm gonna end all (laughs) of it and he almost did yeah he damn near did he got dangerously close to doing it to be a civilian in a bat suit, he got super close. 
Yeah. And uh, I think it's interesting that Superwoman liked him, but he could not care less about her. Like, he was more or less just uninterested in her through this movie. But isn't that Bruce's whole relationship status, like real Bruce with his concubines? I mean, yeah. When he has concubines, yeah. Like, he has no interest in them. Usually the concubines are for show. But he actually likes women sometimes. <laughs> but yes, you're you're correct. Um, and in the comic book, um, she, Superwoman and Ultraman are actually married, and then she and Owlman are having an affair. Oh, so it's 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 a little spicier. It's a, it's a bit more book. bit more tea poured in that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, one of my favorite things that happened in this movie was uh, Wonder Woman's uh, acquisition of the Invisible Jet. Yes, this is not the first time we see her acquire it randomly. And I like that they're just slipping in like, how did this happen? This is how that happened. Because And yeah, she, this was the first time we saw it of use that wasn't just practical, just we're going to be moving to this location. It was like a tactical way of yeah. using the jet. Because, and, and that's one of the things I was going to say is like, we saw it actually used as an invisible jet and it like had a purpose. Like yes. the, that, that happening has a lot to do with how they were able to escape. Cause they and, needed that jet. They was finna get their ass whipped. Yeah. And, and speaking um, of green lantern, uh, he, buddy was just busting through that ring. Like I, they, yeah. The made man. Yeah. yeah, Green Lantern was kind of useless. Pretty much. Uh, that made man, yeah, like that. them hard lights did not matter. And what's crazy was this is probably one of the only movies that gave Martian Manhunter his due. Yes, um, I will agree with that. And that was one of the things I planned on mentioning was in this movie, we got to see that because Martian Manhunter has always been a problem that like Martian Manhunter yeah. is one of the most formidable members of the Justice League for a lot of reasons and we actually got to see him do some work in this because not only was he you know shape-shifting and doing shit but he also like at one point flew straight through the boat and sunk it pretty legit and that's something, yeah, like he's very capable of doing that, but they don't, he doesn't usually, we don't usually see him use himself as a bullet like that. We see Superman do it all the time. Yes, we, and he's usually the emotional one, but this is like, okay, it's, this is if he's used as a weapon. Uh, yeah, and he didn't have a counterpart because the Jester killed their Martian. So that would have spiced things. That might have put it, that might have put them over the top if, if they had a Martian. Yeah. Because Martians, again, are a problem. Because Martians have an absurd number of powers. And so... I what were your thoughts on Nomi? On who? Martian Nomi. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was actually about to say, I thought it was interesting that Rose looked like what McGann looks like in Young Justice. Like, so if you watch Young Justice, the human form that McGann chooses, and McGann mm. is his niece. Oh, that's, yeah. So 
the human form that McGann chooses looks almost exactly like Rose did in this. And on one hand, I was like, okay, I see the like Martian connection here, but I was like, also, that's super weird. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about it, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that uh, that was the mind freak that I was referring to. I thought it was an interesting thing to add in because again, like if he hadn't been there, she would have died. Yeah. Like she would have been sniped. It would, it would have been a wrap. Yeah. And the way that I think that this Martian Manhunter had been talking to Batman a little bit, because right before uh, the red arrow man, like Martian Manhunter did not have to scare him like that. Yeah. That was terror. He he traumatized that boy. He traumatized. Like he's done. He's not as he was falling. You shape ship as he's falling just to, just to further prove a point. Yeah. Like he's, He's falling to his death, and then that's the last thing he sees before he thinks he's going to die. And that's how people end up in Arkham Asylum. Yes. He did not have to do that poor man like that. But also, he did try to assassinate the lady he was interested in, so, like, I get it. But that was very Batman. What did Uh, you think of Deathstroke as president? um, I liked it, and it made sense to me. It was a nice little twist because I, yeah. I didn't expect them to be in it at all. So it was seeing everyone in a new light is what I appreciated about this film. Yes. And there were a couple of people that I was like, who who are you? Like, I guess the made men were kind of a Shazam analog ish. Yeah. Like if there if I had to call one, I guess that's who that was. Um, the Black Lightning was funny because he was a hard homage to the black exploitation era. Like he just, he looked like black exploitation. <laughs> Afro. Like, and- yeah. He had a fro and bell bottoms. And yeah, like I thought that was funny. And then we saw actually, we saw our black lightning and uh, one of those made men, he lit his ass up. Yeah. They, they weren't having it. And another thing that I liked that this movie did, they showed that Aquaman is a problem because a lot of people, you know, Aquaman gets so much hate. And even though Aquaman's time on screen was brief, like Aquaman showed that, like, no, he can do some stuff. And most he people was just assume space. he just talks to fish and they, they don't realize he is just as strong. He Aquaman is a Aquaman could ruin everybody's day, including Superman. Like Aquaman didn't get a lot yeah, done. Give, yeah. Given the right circumstances. Absolutely. Like, that's why they have to pit Aquaman against Wonder Woman a lot of times, because that's who can ha- that that's who, it takes, that's who it takes to hang with him. And he's and a so, bit more ruthless. They're, I'd say they're equally ruthless because neither of them had the like moral the PR kill people the- <laughs> code. Like they were both like, nah, fuck the like they were both ready to execute as you know, royalty of a foreign land. They were like, no, we don't, we don't do that jail shit. Like, no, we, we're not taking prisoners today. Yeah. Like they don't, they don't take prisoners. They have no problem executing people. And so, and I think that, you know, Wonder Woman being with the Justice League has like helped a little bit because in one of the earlier movies, uh, Justice League, the new frontier, Wonder Mm -hmm. Woman and Superman have a discussion because there are some women who are being abused 
and Wonder Woman comes and saves these women, and the women decide, let's kill these people who were abusing us. And Wonder Woman lets it happen. And of and course, Su Superman's like, that's not what we yeah, do. Yeah, Superman was lecturing her about, uh, you know, the right thing to do. And Wonder Woman was like, no, I did what I thought was right. These women were being abused and attacked and used for their bodies. And they made a decision based on what happened. And who am I to stand in their way? And Superman would never understand that because he didn't have people. He, did, yeah, he didn't have that, a village he grew up with. He grew up on a farm. And yeah, like he will never, it, it will never make sense to him. And because I think that Superman and Batman and probably Green Lantern, and I guess Flash, are the ones that have like a hard do not kill rule. Everybody else, it depends on the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And I get that because with Green Lantern, his ring usually will not allow him to use lethal force depending on the situation. Circumstance and uh Batman, you know, was traumatized by the death of his parents. And so, so he... strict code, strict yeah. code right there. Uh, and then Superman is just too try hard to where it's just like great power, great responsibility. Pretty much. And you know, Flash is just a good dude. <laughs> but uh, what do you think yeah. of uh, Batman with the Hulkbuster Dilly? That he was, was giving them problems. He was. And that's the thing. That wasn't a machine for combat. Like, that was a machine for, like, working. and Like, that was a construction tool. And, <laughs> I mean, he was he, he, he did what he could with it. But I'm sure he figured, now, these are super-powered people. Staying in here is probably my best option. But, yeah, he, uh, I mean, he got he got some stuff done with it. But that's not what that thing was for. Like, had he been in some actual, like, combat armor, I feel like he'd have been able to do a little better. Yeah, he was this and that. And but yeah, the fact that they, he was in some construction. They, they gear, disassembled it fairly quickly. Like, that's because it wasn't for combat. And so <laughs> the fact that he got anything done with it is, you know, it just shows how good Batman is. Because, yeah, like, most people would not have been like, yeah, this, this, uh, forklift is gonna, get me through this so and then yeah. she's just like she's like that's gonna cost you a rib oh when she snapped his rib that oh i wasn't expecting that because yeah when she said it i was like oh she's gonna and then she just put her thumb in there and then bow it just pops it's like oh oh that's you not think gonna... that had an impact on him getting whooped on by Alman? i think like in real life, yes, but quite honestly, I think that yeah, because he and Alman would have been relatively evenly matched, I assume. Because right, and that fight seemed pretty pretty one sided. one sided. Yeah, Batman had some injuries that he was working through because, and I think the fight was one sided. It would have been one sided anyway because that's what the movie had to do. Like he had to get his ass beat, like for the plot. But yeah, I think that that's actually a really good point. I think that as far as justifying why was Batman losing, like, yeah, he By had a snap to rib. Yeah. Because, yeah, Owlman was beating his ass. It was noticeably bad. Like, it was. And, you know, one usually of the someone has the edge, but yeah. One of the arguments that could be made is the fact that Owlman doesn't have a sense of morality. And so. Owlman is using lethal force, whereas Batman wasn't. 
but I don't think that was the case here. I think Batman was fighting for his life. And I think that, yeah, because he had come off of a full day with <laughs> no rest, because uh, he had been doing construction, <laughs> and then he had to fight a bunch of super beings, and then had to fight somebody with hand-to-hand skills that match his own. For no reason of his own when he warned yeah, them not to he do was this like, in the first place. Yeah, he said, I don't want to fucking be here. But he had to show up because he was like, what did you hide on my earth? Because whatever it is, it was worth them coming to get it. So we need to talk about that shit. And a part of me, when he said that, thought Lex was going to go heal. Like it... Uh- Throughout the movie, I was just like, is Lex going to turn? Is Lex going to turn? And it, I'm kind of glad they didn't go that route, but I knew it was he there. wasn't. I knew he wasn't because of the situation. Like, we saw all of the people who were originally heroes be villains. And so there was no part of me that thought Lex was going to turn just because we have watched their Superman, their Wonder Woman, their Batman. Like, all of, all of their people were evil. And, like, there was no question about it. Like, they are evil. And, and even real life Lex, if you think about it, is he even a, a villain or is he, you know, he's a villain. Musk, like He's a villain because it's like an, it's an ends justify the means thing. But also Lex, usually they make him more malicious than he, like, has to be because it's kind of like... um. I guess the example that I use is Killmonger. So Mm. with Killmonger, we agree with him. Like, he's not wrong as far as what he thinks. But then he starts talking about, all right, we are going to kill everybody. And it's like, okay, that's the problem. That and then burning the, the, you know, where there's no other possible Black Black Panthers. Panthers. That's the line of morality. Yeah. And so that's that's the thing. It's like, okay, what you're saying isn't terrible, but how you want to get there and what you're willing to do to get there is the problem. And so sometimes they have to like go out of their way to make a villain do some evil shit to yeah. make you hate them enough to make you want... Because even with Thanos, for example, in Infinity War, it was really hard to say, I want Thanos to lose. And, and then so, Endgame happens, and it's, and then, it's a whole different character. Yeah, in Endgame, they make him a bag of dicks. And because he's a bag of dicks, you're like, yeah, they need to, yeah, fuck him. And so that's usually the case with Lex. Like, whenever Lex says, I do want to make the world a better place, and I don't think that, I don't like the idea of Superman going unchecked. That's a problem for me, because... I, as a human, don't have an answer for that. And I need one. Because and that was Superman, a problem for Batman. Yeah, because if Superman does go rogue, then that's going to be an issue. And we I don't want us to need him, was yes. Lex's point. And it's like, yes, you're not wrong there. But whenever Lex, you know, does a lot of shit that oppresses other people, whenever Lex does shit that's violent, and whenever Lex is like obsessing over Superman that those are the qualities that make us like, okay, he's a bad dude. You've gone too far. Yeah. So there are a lot of villains who have some semblance of like, okay, I see where you're coming from. Or I, I, I Okay. 
I'm not mad about this, but Lex is very much uh, an advocate for oppressive capitalism. Yeah, yeah. It's just he doesn't necessarily pursue world domination like a traditional villain would. Yeah, and a lot of it is because of Superman. Like, if Superman wasn't around, he might. Yeah, but he has an obsession with Superman, or Superman stops him anytime he tries. And so that, you know, is a part of the issue. Because in the comic books where Lex does become president, it's like, all right, is Lex going to actually do some good or... Is he gonna use his presidency to fuck some shit up? And I love anytime he gets his hands on some kryptonite, his his confidence juice just goes through the roof, and he just oh, yeah. starts stealing off. Yeah, because yeah, Lex is a, uh, and I mean that's what happened in here. This hour or the the Earth, the other Earth, Lex, he found some blue kryptonite, and he called Ultraman out. He was like, "Jimmy, get your boy." I got some, I want to talk to him. And in the comic book, they actually, um, like I said, they go in the hard, like it has to be opposite direction. And so in the comic book, Ultraman is actually powered by green kryptonite. So he like, he grinds it into a dust and then snorts it. And then that's how he, you know, is Ultraman. Or Tony Montana. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things that I do like in the comic book, uh, you're familiar with the boys, right? Yes. So in the comic book, because um, I, I don't know everything that happens in the comic book for this, but I know a couple of things here and there with the crime syndicate. And I know that uh, certain iterations of Johnny Quick, he actually has to inject himself with a drug to be a speedster, like to maintain being a speedster, oh. which if you remember in the boys, um, their That's speedster A Train yeah. had to do a similar thing. The, the steroids and, type stuff that yeah, and so I think that the the boys may have pulled from that. Took a little inspiration from that. Yeah, and so yeah, you notice more and more with with more lately like cartoons and films, they have this Superman like figure, but he's a villain. Like it looks like that's been a pattern in the last Most... couple years. Most Superman analogs are villains. And a lot of that has to do with like Superman being so good and so positive and all of that. Like a lot of people are like, no, that's not, that's probably not how that would go. So there are not very many Superman copies that are good. And I think American culture is shifting because it, the Superman's portrayal in like the 50s was that was American culture and then throughout the years we got more dark and we we Batman became a better representation of the everyday man so I think in order for that balance to happen then the happy go-getter has to be villainized oh yeah and I mean I think that's pretty standard like I, I I mean that's been happening like with the com with independent comic books as well as um like the comic books that are huge and have these characters in there anyway uh they like to toy with the idea of the guy that we know being good being evil and I think that and sociopath course, not even like not even just normal evil like it straight but psychotic but we that's something that we see with power. 
because we know that humans we've seen experiments and stuff where if humans get a little bit of power sometimes they go a little overboard they run with it yeah yeah because they you know they've done experiments with like uh prison guards and prisoners so they were like we're gonna take 10 regular ass people we're gonna give five of them uh prison guard power and we're gonna make five of them prisoners and they watched the five prison guards just abuse the prisoners because they could i think there's a movie about that too (laughs) yeah i mean it, it was a social experiment and those probably aren't the exact details but something to that effect and so like whenever humans get power, sometimes they abuse it. And the whole point is we have hope. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about this is in the comic book and kind of here a little bit was the idea that sometimes there's no hope. And sometimes like shit is just going to go bad because if you fix one problem or if you, you know, get, the bad guy out of there, then are they just going to be replaced with a different bad guy? That's why Alman at the end is just like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Alman's like, nah, it doesn't matter. Because that's that's Alman's point is like, none of this matters because we have all made opposite decisions and, you know, there's an infinite number of worlds where I am a different person and i've made different decisions and it's all fucking useless and so we need to get rid of all of it because man is terrible and so owlman's view on it as well as in the actual comic book for this is you know sometimes shit is hopeless yep and that's that's the reality of things is sometimes shit is hopeless and you know, hopelessness isn't probably a great way to view things. And so I think that's why they made some changes from the comic book. But in the and comic it, book, it, it, if all is hopeless, I wonder why he wanted to just destroy the, the main earth. If it didn't matter regardless, like, was that just him creating purpose or it? Because if it's hopeless, it doesn't matter anyway. Right. So, yeah. And that's why in the end he was like, nah, it's fine. And it's hard to say because. I think that they could have been using the thing that Alfred said with, you know, some men want power, some men want money, but some men just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. And that could have been what this was, but it's hard to, I think it's hard for us to imagine why somebody would have the desire to end everything. Trauma and Batman said it, best i wrote this that quote of the decade we both looked into the abyss but when it looked back at us you blinked that's what he said and uh i was yeah. just like whoa <laughs> that's bars straight bars. but bruce always got bars so he doesn't talk much but when he talks it's so profound oh yeah so scale of one to ten what are you thinking Overall, because it, I, I like the pace of it. There wasn't really a lot of slow moments. You know how it, some DC, they, it can get a little slow and it's just like, okay, get back to the fun stuff. Uh, probably a solid seven. Okay. Okay. I can get behind that. Uh, I'm giving it a 6.5. Um, definitely not bad, but we are 
I, I feel like I say this every episode, but like we're we're approaching when these movies get really good and we're not quite there yet because yeah. this one, again, solid is a great word for it. Um, it was, you know, enjoyable. Um, and of course, these movies aren't too long, so that's always a good thing. But yeah, uh, this was, you know, solid, but not spectacular. But yes. we are... We're we're making our way to when these these movies get really you see good. See where it's going because this compared to what like Superman versus Shazam, you know, where it's just a battle. This actually yeah. has some depth to it. Yeah, there's actually some some content here, and so you know, this is definitely again pretty solid. Like it it fits with the movies that are in this time period. And I was cracking up with Flash, uh, well, Reverse Flash, the whole aging part. And he just is like, you knew yeah. Batman just looks down. Batman just, yeah, that was that was definitely one of my favorite parts. Because the first time I saw this, whenever Batman said to him, like, you're not fast enough. I know your limitations. I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, something's going on there. I don't I don't know if I believe that. Flash isn't fast enough. Like there's some malicious intent there. <laughs> yeah, and so when Johnny Quick uh, woke up old, I was like, "Oh, oh, Bruce, you you knew what you were doing." Oh no! And it makes it worse. He just didn't. He didn't say anything. Yeah, because what wh- what was he gonna do? Like it was either you die or everything gets destroyed. And uh, and he's uh, like, "That's my but my buddy is aging." Yeah, like so. my, we were, Yeah, this one about to happen to my friend. I wasn't about to sacrifice my flash. And to his defense, he's like, I didn't even want to be here. I really didn't want to be here. Y'all got me here doing this. I did not want to be here. So, yeah, uh, I. Yeah, that was uh, that was that that was uh, that that got me. I knew it was going to happen, but like I was like, oh, that's that's cold. (laughs) It is. It had to be done. It it did. There was was no no way around it. But yeah, like it, ooh, it was cold. So who is a, a better mastermind out of Bruce Wayne and Lex? Because that's what that that's what kept popping in my mind throughout this film is like, if in a battle of wits, who who takes the cake? I think Bruce does because, generally speaking, we have watched Superman defeat Lex over and over. We have watched Bruce defeat superman so lex a lot of times through his own hubris cannot get it done bruce gets it done and i think that lex probably knows more on the science end but Mm -hmm. i think that bruce is more tactical and i think that bruce has better like game time logic and decision making and all of that so who has more resources though i think resources they're about even because with with resources they're both you know mega billionaires with uh technology and chemistry and like they they both have all of the resources they could need they both have kryptonite at their disposal because they have the money for it uh, they both have the capacity to do any experimenting or any weapon building, any, um, you know, advancements in th- like they both have all of that. So I would say. Like. 
as far as who has more resources, it would be like an Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos situation. Right. They both, they both have everything they could need and they both have access to anything they could need, but it's just a matter of what they're one major difference though, is Lex. If I'm not mistaken, Lex kind of builds his own weapons though. Right. Bruce kind of outsources his with Fox and, Yes, uh, that is generally true. So Lex is more like Iron Man in that regard. In that which he, is a, which is a he, major benefit. Yeah, like he does it with his own hands, usually. And Batman, I think that, and I think a part of that is the fact that Lex has a heavier dependence on technology than Batman does. Now, Batman does have a little bit of a dependence on technology depending on which version of batman because like um the dark knight has a lot of technology usage yeah and he depends on it a lot but but how much of right it, he you know does he, he outsources does he exactly and so i think that that's what i mean like i think that as far as science goes lex has more knowledge and can do more because i think that lex yeah, I think he's smarter there. Like he has probably a better knowledge of chemistry, biology, um all of the technology fields that one would need mecha- uh, mechanical engineering mm-hmm. uh all of that stuff. I think and that And then you get Lex, Batman the the detective. Yeah, like skills. Lex Lex is more of a scientist than Bruce is. And and that's probably across the board. And Bruce has a lot more other skills than Lex does. Um, martial arts. Uh, yeah, like martial arts, detective skills. Uh, Batman is actually pro- he probably under he probably has a really strong social understanding. Yeah, like in being able to read people and being able to like see what's going on with people and all of that. Like he can read body language. Intelligence, because Lex can be a bit impulsive. Yes, and again, Lex is Lex's level of arrogance is incredibly high. Yeah, like and and his own hubris can be his downfall sometimes. And so Lex's narcissism gets in Lex's way. And so I think that they both have different skills and that speaks to how successful they are against Superman, generally speaking. Now, of course we know that Superman is usually going easier on Bruce because they're friends and Lex is actively trying to get rid of him. That's the whole, if I wanted it, I could have had it. Yeah. But Again, at the end of the day, like Batman is prepared to take Superman down. Lex has been trying to this whole time and can't. So who do you think intellectually is superior to Batman? Um, honestly, other versions of Batman. Because they've written Batman to be like Al, for instance, like yeah, like they've they've written him to be at the top, and so I don't know if there's anybody. There are people that are smarter than Batman, as in they know more than him. But I don't think there's a single person in the DC universe that is more prepared or could come up with a better plan than Batman, given any situation. 
because it'd be nice to see him get outwitted for once as opposed to just physical dom- physically dominated. The only people that I can think of that have outwitted him are Bane, kind of, because of how Bane handled him. Um, Bane basically tired him out, deduced that he was, deduced who Batman was, and then fucked him up. And Hush. (laughs) And we'll see Hush later on. But, yeah, I think that that I can think of, those are the two situations where Batman truly gets, like, outwitted. There are, because comic books are so expansive, there are probably several other situations where that happens, but... And that's just, why he needs a... That's why the Joker is such a fitting character for him, because it's someone who... My goal isn't to outwit you. My goal is just to... I'm a dog chasing cars. Yeah, and that that's the thing with the Joker. Um, and that's one of the things I love about the Joker and about Deadpool. Like, you can't plan for them. Yes. Like, they... There's a movie that I'm going to talk about later, and... Th- that movie is the moment because I've always known the Joker is crazy. I've always known the Joker is psychotic and a problem, but like there's a movie that made me truly understand like, oh, that's what crazy looks like. Like th- that's, <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about it. I'm excited. Um, But we've, we've got some episodes to go before we get there. But yeah, there's, there's a very specific movie in this series of movies that we're going to talk about where I was like, oh, the Joker's fucking crazy. And I think I know what you're talking about. I cannot wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a fun journey. Um, in the next episode, we will be discussing Batman Under the Red Hood. Ooh. And so, until then, salutations. Salutations.